us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Do you love Jesus Christ this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. It's good to be in church, isn't it? Praise God. Thank you, Miss Leah and the praise team for leading us in worship. Miss Leah, you still got it. Amen. You still got it in worship leading. Amen. And she, she says she's going to give it. Well, we do miss Noah this morning, and uh, we pray pray for him today. And but she uh, always let me tell you something. When when there there are times in ministry where you have to have an anointing on your life. It's called the anointing of the micromanager. And uh, sometimes, and you have to have the anointing of the chief cook and bottle washer. Um, but I tell you, amen. But I'll tell you this right now, saints of God, that we I appreciate our, our pastoral couple, our leaders this morning, always being willing to pick up the reins and do whatever's needed, whatever's needed in the church house. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Let me tell you, some Sundays when you pastor a church, you're a plumber, you're an electrician, you're a counselor, and you're a preacher. So uh, we appreciate the servanthood mentality of Pastor Ron and Miss Leah. Would you open your Bibles this morning to the book? Actually, if you would go with me, I've got a little curveball for the media guys. I'm actually not preaching Lion's Roar, but if there's a message I'd love to steal from my father, it would be that one. Amen. But we, we appreciate uh, our media team so much. That's okay. I, um, they, I mean, gosh, man, our media guys have been pulling double duty, working media and sound. Can you give them a round of applause? Both services. And the cool thing about it, you know, sometimes uh, when you're up here singing and you hear those feedbacks from the monitors, from the microphone, for some reason people look at the sound man as though he knows exactly the reason why the mics are feeding back. And when you've got a guy like Justin back there who just smiles and moves on with life, it's pretty cool. And they are awesome sound men. One more time, we let our media guys know how much we appreciate them. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God, but we really appreciate all ministries and our kids' men team and our our uh, teen ministry team. We're just getting we're getting testimonies pouring in from teen ministry of how God's moving and orchestrating. Um, we we Wednesday night had a Holy Ghost takeover, and uh, I I was like I, I could have ran with the way the Holy Ghost was moving, but I knew God had given Stephen Stewart a word. And there was a young man who uh, uh, comes on his own accord, does not come with parents on Wednesday night. The Holy Spirit was touching him, and we began to pray with him. We prayed over students. God's moving in teen ministries. Hallelujah. If I could, if I could get like some, uh, if I could just kind of throw in a little bit of an old fuddy-duddy way of saying things, the devil ain't going to have them. Amen. The devil ain't going to have the young generation. Praise God. The devil ain't going to have the young generation. We've got them. We claim them for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Some of, you, some of y'all need to declare that when you pray. The devil is a liar. And I know I might be kind of sound a little uh, preacher cliche this morning, but the church needs to quit signing a peace treaty with him. He's a liar, and we need to quit signing a peace treaty with him. And it is true that he is a defeated foe. And it is true if he tries to remind us of our past, we will remind him of his future. 
guess what, devil? Your future is the pits, literally. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody just give the Lord a big round of applause and praise. I'm feeling it early today. Praise God. But if you would go with me to Esther chapter 7. And we're going to go to Esther chapter 7. And we are going to begin. We are going to begin starting at verse 9. Actually, just going to read two verses of Scripture there in the uh, book of Esther chapter 7. Now it says this. Now Harbona, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Look, the gallows, 50 cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. Hmm. This gallows has been constructed in the house of Haman to execute I, I'm not reading scripture there I'm just kind of giving some context some backstory there it's standing there at the house of Haman then the king said hang him on it so they hanged Haman on the gallows that he prepared for Mordecai, then the king's wrath subsided. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai, then the king's wrath subsided. Father, we thank you this morning so much. We thank you so much for the truth of your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to hit the rewind button in Scripture for just a moment. If we could go there to the beginning of Esther chapter 7. It reads this. It says, So the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther. And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition? Queen Esther, it shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Up to half of the kingdom, it shall be done. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition, and my people. Somebody say, and my people. There's power in intercession this morning. And my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. So King Ahasuerus answered and said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. So Haman was terrified before the king and queen. 
Then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stood before the queen, pleading for his life. For he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. When the king returned from the palace garden to the palace of the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, Will he also assault the queen while I am in the house? As the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Mm. Back again to verse 9. Now Harbona, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Look, the gallows fifty cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai. Everybody say for Mordecai. Who spoke good on the king's behalf is standing at the house of Haman. Then the king said, hang him on it. So they hang Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath subsided. I want to stop for just a moment here and I want to give an encouragement to the church this morning. Saints of God, let the enemy hang himself. Let the enemy hang himself. Let the enemy destroy himself. The structure and the plan that has been built, the 50 cubit high gallows that has been killed to try to annihilate and come and try to overtake the favor of God is going to be the very gallows that the enemy is going to hang himself on and he's going to be destroyed upon. He's going to be overtaken on. The structures and plans of the enemy, the scheming and the plotting and the manipulation and all the things he's done in darkness are getting ready to be uncovered. And the glory of God is going to be revealed. The glory of God is going to be revealed in such a way that what the enemy has constructed to destroy the children of God with, God's going to use to destroy the enemy with and overtake and overcome the powers of darkness and wickedness. Look at three people right now and say, let the enemy hang himself. Glory to God. There is a word. There is a word. And I promise you this morning, Rodney Pike Church of God, I have not lost it. I'm not off my rocker. I haven't had a breakdown, even though I've only slept maybe 20 hours this week, if that. I, I have sat on the edge of my seats. I have, I have, it's almost like, uh, it's like I'm waiting for, you, you know, we all waiting for things to, to happen and, you know, things to move, things to move, things to switch, things to move, things to, you know, are we going here, are we going there, are we going here, are we going there, which direction are we going as a nation, and we've all been sitting on our seats, but at the same time, I believe there's been a lot of intercession going on as well. There's been a lot of praying going on as well. There's been a lot of interceding going on as well. And there's been a lot of spiritual warfare happening. 
But see, what's happening is the structures of man seem to be prevailed. I'm not preaching politics this morning. I am being spiritual. I'm being spiritual with you because I believe what's happening in the world is a revelation to the church. It's a wake-up moment for the church that battles may not be won at the polls, but they will be won spiritually. And I believe it well what Dr. Tony Evans said four years ago. God's not going to pass the White House. Uh, he's not going to pass the church house to do the work he intended in the White House. Uh, governmental structure of this country was built by the hands of man. But the church uh, was established uh, by Jesus Christ. Uh, and the declaration was made uh, on an old rugged cross uh, 2,000 years ago. It was made in heaven. It was sealed in heaven. It's been received in heaven and declared in heaven. Glory. I think we need to take about 30 seconds and rejoice for the fact God does not dwell in buildings made by man's hands. Somebody rejoice this morning. Somebody rejoice this morning. Somebody praise him this morning. Because the truth will not be revealed in the White House. It's going to happen on a white horse with one who has fire in his eyes. And the word coming out of his mouth. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, why, why right now into such a place we are where we are praying for one? There's a central theme within the prayer. It's the word exposure. We are praying for exposure like we never have before. And I told, I know I didn't tell my wife, but I've been pacing our little house this week, praying, talking to God. I'm confused. I'm confused. When did economic strength not get you reelected? Dude. Now, now I'm not, I promise you, I'm not preaching politics because if anything, I've developed somewhat of a concern because I feel like the last four years the Church of the United States of America thinks we have banked victory on the fact of who's been in the White House. We've gotten a little spiritual with the presidency. But I'm going to say this, because I've done something I've never done before in my social media life. I've made some things that have gotten me some comments. You know, it's kind of put that big old target on my back. I did. I put a target on my back this week. I'm normally not one for doing that, but I put a target on my back. And the sad thing of it is I'm being called out by people that I know of attend churches that believe the way we do. And I'm going to tell you something, saints, that we're in an hour where the line between church and politics has been erased because politics have become spiritual. 
I could guarantee you if you saw me at Walmart standing at a cash register and I start cussing out the cashier, you would say, wait, that's Pastor Micah. He's a Christian. Jesus is my Lord in the church. He's my Lord at Walmart and he's my Lord at the polls. And the enemy wants us to think that there's nothing spiritual about politics this morning. If I offend you, I'm sorry. Don't give me my paycheck this week, okay? If I offend you, I'm sorry, okay? If I offend you, I'm sorry. That's what I love about Rodney Pike Church of God. I can preach this thing up one side, down the other, mention every controversial issue. We'll still run all over the place. That's what I love about southeastern Ohio. That's what I love about them. I can preach truth, and they're all about that truth. I can preach issues, and they're all about those issues. We can even cross that little line there between church and politics. But we need to pray for our brothers and sisters that are in metropolis areas, that are facing this air of controversy, that honestly have people that think a certain way that are serving on their boards and their councils, okay? Because the struggle is real in different areas, and we need to have intercession for those little spacklings on them. I'm not going to go there this morning. But now there's a word that we have prayed for so much, it's the word exposure. We're believing for exposure this morning. I've been pacing all over my little house. If you would go with me to John's Gospel, chapter 11, beginning at verse 38, common account in Scripture. It says, Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Verse 40 said, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you will always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him, and let him go. Loose him and let him go. The account of Lazarus. He was standing there, a man who had been dead for four days. There were laws and cleanliness laws that were put into play and into effect and laws that stated that that stone, once it had been placed, was there to stay, and it was not to be moved. Once it was there, it was to be placed. And right there, the stone represents something. It represents a ceiling and a declaration of death. 
and it represents the fact it's almost kind of like a contractual thing okay now they're dead they're gone they have been placed inside of their grave how many of you have ever maybe maybe been you you can tell it very well that once you are at the cemetery with a loved one you've had the funeral you've had visiting hours but once you're at the cemetery there's almost like a conclusion drawn that yeah yeah this is official this is the farthest I can go with my loved one physically so right now I'm they've passed away they've gone to be with the Lord they've gone from this life on to the next this it's kind of like the end of the road the contractual agreement that they have passed away it, it's kind of like forgive me for the expression but a con the grave is a contract with death it's a contract saying that yes they are gone and they're no longer with us on this earth see Jesus was summoned as a healer they were wanting to summon a healer when Lazarus was ill. We all know the story. We know it very well. I've preached on this in and out. But for some reason, there's this unique revelation about the account of Lazarus' resurrection. They had summoned a healer. They had prayed and believed for the healer. It is biblical that we pray and we believe for the healing of our land. We will always call upon the healer, but now we're in a certain season as a nation. We're at a certain level of a need for a, a miracle. We've transitioned because when Lazarus was sick, they needed a healer. But when Lazarus passed away, they no longer needed a healer. They needed a resurrector. They didn't need a healer anymore. They needed someone to bring resurrection into situations that have been contractually and sealed off and said they're over. Because after the deadline of the stone, it was not to be removed for another year. But the stone was in place. And the stone was not allowed to be moved. But see, what was happening at the tomb of Lazarus was that Jesus was saying, it's going to be undeniable that I am the resurrection. People are not going to be able to deny the fact that he's alive. They can't say somebody chiseled a hole in the back of the tomb and snuck in and put grave clothes on and look like and act like Lazarus and everybody think it's Lazarus. No, they're going to realize something. Lazarus is the one that's going to walk out of the grave. The one who's been dead for days, they're going to see without a doubt, I am the resurrection and the life. There's going to be a revelation that's going to begin to be happening because what was going on also was that when Jesus had commanded the stone to be removed, you know what he was saying? I want the light to be able to expose the darkness. 
what's going to happen is a place that has been declared dead and done. The light is getting ready to shine through the powers of darkness. And everything the enemy has tried to seal off and shut off and shut down and get rid of, Jesus is getting ready to walk in in his power and might and say, remove the strongholds. Remove the stuff standing in the way. Remove the things that are trying to stop the exposure. Praise God. He was the resurrection and the life, but he was also the exposure at the tomb of Lazarus. I tell you, there is that word exposed that we're desiring to see in this day and age. But the Holy Spirit has spoken something to me that he's going to take us into a high level of exposure. And we are believing in a high level of exposure because there's a word they've spoken over our nation the last four years and they've tried to put a monkey on somebody's back. It's called division. And the components of that division, they're trying to blame racism. They're trying to blame other divisions. And they're, they're trying to claim sexism. They're trying to claim a whole bunch of things. But the Holy Spirit has spoken to me, and I'm not leaning one way with things that could happen. But he said there will be a season of exposure. And the church needs to pray for exposure to happen. That all these accusations that have been wrapped up that the Holy Spirit would begin to expose them. Saints, I'm praying this morning, if there are men who have taken an oath to protect society, if they do have a racist vendetta, I'm praying that be exposed. I'm praying for exposure for those who have a vendetta against law enforcement. I'm praying for exposure on sexism. I'm praying for exposure. See what happens, Pat Thomas, is when Jesus exposes, he also resurrects. I'm going to expose the things of death and I'm going to declare resurrection over them. Oh, hallelujah. And see, the end result uh, is not the end result uh, until you have full exposure. Because when the tomb of Lazarus was opened, uh, they saw a man bound in grave clothes. Uh, they saw a man bound in grave clothes uh, slowly make his way uh, out of the tomb uh, who had his face covered, uh, who had his hands bound, uh, who had his feet bound. Uh, Jesus declared and said, okay, you've seen the resurrection, but I'm going to expose the full truth right now. It's not somebody else in grave clothes. Uh, this is Lazarus that you have wept over. This is Lazarus who you have prayed over. This is Lazarus who you had asked me to heal. It's Lazarus. It's Lazarus. It's Lazarus. And I'm going to show you it truly is Lazarus. Oh, glory to God. I'm believing this morning that God is not just going to heal our land. He's going to resurrect our land. He's going to resurrect our land. And what's going to happen is battles we have tried to fight politically the last four years are going to be won spiritually. Saints, we might be in a time where we have to face the discouragement. We might have to face the music in January. But that's something else the Holy Ghost had told me. I'm not going to downplay prophetic words that have come out within the last few months. Because there's something about the anointing and the favor of God. An impact on leadership. That it is not confined to an elected office. 
and that the only thing that has been ended is a term in presidency and not a term in impacting leadership. And now, here we are at the time where we may have to face the music. We may have to face the stink. Let me tell you something right now. I promise you I'm not preaching politics this morning. I am full of the Holy Ghost today. I, I have been, I have battled. I told the 9 a.m. service I'll be 38 next month. And I believe I'm going through ministerial puberty right now. I'm stepping out of the young preacher stage into the old man that complains about everything. Hallelujah. That problem in the church, my God, he's wearing that on my platform. Holy moly. I preached for an old preacher when I was 19 years old. Walked into this little country church on a Wednesday night wearing a purple suit and about half a bottle of hair gel on my hair. He said, well, my goodness, I don't even think you need to brush your hair. Just stand right up, don't it? Now I'm going to that phase where I'm like, dude, they really wear their hair like that? You notice hairstyles today? It's like, it's really short on the side. It's like really this huge mountain of hair on the top. You got this huge bouffant going on. And, oh, I'm getting reminded about age. I was sitting in my barber's chair and he cut my hair. And he goes, I think I've reached your goal. I said, what was my goal? He says, I always get that you want to look like a 1950s preacher. I was like, not my goal, Justin, not my goal. <laughs> yeah, please pass the old spice. Amen. Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you something right now. There is a transitional season. There's a transitional season, and the church is going to have to go there. And the church will go there as the ambassadors of Christ. But there's a promise that follows an ambassador. He's not bound to the rules of the nation that he's standing in. He's bound to the laws and regulation of the one that he represents. We don't represent a party or a government. We represent Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something right now. Go ahead. Let them dance on the streets. Let them sing little songs of celebration about the end of a term that might be happening in the month of January. Go ahead and let them do that. I want to let the devil know this morning that for the last four years, you can claim it to be politically gained, but there's been a man who has transitioned. Remember four years ago when pastor said, I believe that this presidency is going to change an individual. It's going to change a man. Who would have thought one of the biggest New York playboys would go to the White House and be one of the biggest advocates for Christianity? 
Who would have ever thought that? Let me tell you what happened in the White House these last four years. He didn't just get himself around religious leaders. He got himself around some of the biggest names in the Pentecostal church who get on their websites and pray in the Holy Ghost. And don't, and don't just like sit on the fence about being Pentecostal. No, these are men who have gone down the same path I have. So I know their platform. I know where they stand. And I can guarantee you in those little moments, like Pastor Jensen Franklin and Dr. Tim Hill, who have been around Donald Trump the last four years, when they're praying those little nominal prayers, they maybe lowered their voice to a whisper. I know they did. I know they did. I know they did. And they lowered their voice to a whisper begin to pray in the Holy Ghost while the nominal prayer was going on they begin to pray in the Holy Ghost see things were things are happening governmentally that don't go our way but something's happening spiritually that the devil can't stop because I believe the last four years there's going to be fingerprints all over the place you can stop a presidency but you cannot stop Holy Ghost favored leadership there is a generation. We don't have to worry about the young generation. There is a generation that is declaring the good things of God. That's calling wicked, wicked. That's calling good, good. We believe it. God is going to use. Because what I believe is going to happen is good old President Trump, the Holy Ghost prayers are going to begin to manifest in his life. They're going to manifest in his life. He's going to go to Trump Towers. He's going to get some rest. He's going to lose a few pounds. He's going to bounce back from the craziness of the presidency. He's going to speak to crowds. He's going to light a fire. You know what else? The president is the most powerful man on earth, but is also bound with checks and balances. You know that? But now he's going to speak with authority of the Holy Ghost and not have to worry if he speaks the good things of God and worry about being in peace. Devil, I hate to tell you, you think you won, but it's just not the truth. See, what's happening is the church is transitioning from politics into realizing victory was won a long time ago spiritually. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, don't be discouraged about what happens in the political realm. But now here's our mandate. I do believe there's a need of unity within the nation. And it is going to take a move of God. That's why we need to pray that if there is racism in leadership, God expose it. If there is racism in law enforcement, God expose it. If there is false accusation and fraud, God expose it. Our commission for the next two months is not exposure of corruption. Our mission is still the lost. Our mission is still to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we're not careful, the devil would love for us to get so wrapped up in a political game and politics. Because if anything, it's a spirit of fear trying to loom and overtake and overwhelm glory. Jesus.
in me and know who I am and trust in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please, please, please hear that in the Holy Ghost. Receive that this morning. Hmm. Hmm. Would you right now just lift up your hands? Let's wait on God for a moment. Let's wait on God for a moment. Jesus, Lord, we glorify you. We glorify you this morning. We glorify you. We give you, declare you are our king. You are our Lord of lords. You are our everything, God. You are the one we lean upon. You're the one who's going to work things out. Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe you are a God of exposure. And we trust you, God, not to get our way, but that you would heal, that you would move, that all of this, oh, God, all the pain, we know that the true source of that healing is you, God. Oh, God, I know in this nation there are hearts that are broken in both directions. There are hearts that are hurting in both directions. I believe, Father, that you're going to expose plans of the enemy. Plan, not just, not just, I'm, oh God, I'm, I'm pulling just certain things out and not putting anything within a box of what you desire to expose, God. And the plan of healing you desire to bring to a nation. Oh God, it's this structure. It's what we represent in this room, the structure that you want to move and bring healing through, God. We've been given the message of hope. We've been given the message of healing. We've been given the message of victory. Use us, God. Use us, God. Use us, God. Oh, let, let me, oh my goodness, let me tell somebody this morning that there is one in a world that is so messed up in a world that is so confused, in a world that is pulled in so many diff different directions, there is one who wants to bring peace. There is one who wants to bring healing into your life. There is one that wants to give you the strength and the courage to face day-to-day -day life and give you victory over struggles that you might be facing. I'd be a false prophet if I got up here and said Jesus is our true hope. If I didn't give someone an opportunity to find hope in Jesus Christ. I encourage you this morning if our praise team would come. I want to give you a message this morning of hope. In a world that is so tossed about. In a world that is just so thrown about. And no solidarity and no solid foundation in a world that has a crumbling foundation I want to let you know there's hope in Jesus Christ 
there's hope in Jesus Christ. And I wonder right now if we could all bow our heads, please.